Well, this is, this is week four of a series that, that we're calling Choosing Christmas, which um, the, the, the framework for that is, is really the idea that there are choices that we have to make that um, beyond Christmas just happening, right? Beyond Christmas just kind of being something that we react to or respond to, there's, there's this proactive reality of, of this season of anticipation that says, I want to make a decision for something, right? We're, we have these times in our lives where there's maybe a, the reality of our lives where we spend most of our lives just reacting and responding to things. And for, some, for us, I think, to, to have a moment to say, I'm going to proactively make a decision for something, right? To say, I'm going to, going to move towards a specific kind of thing. We're going to talk over the next few weeks, uh, next week and uh, the, the week after. Next week will be uh, over video. Um, and, and then the week after coming through and, and really making decisions as we head into 2020, a new decade, a new year, all those kinds of things, um, the specifics of what that looks like. But, but through this Christmas season, through this Advent season, this, this season of anticipation, we're, we're looking at some specific themes and saying, we, we have to make a choice about this, right? That there's something that we have to do in this season of anticipation as we, as we prepare for Christmas, not just experience Christmas, not just have Christmas happen to us, that we would actually make a decision about the kinds of things that we want our lives to be marked by. And so this week, we're talking about choosing peace, um, it's ironic, I think, every year when we kind of work through um, these kinds of themes and you look at uh, this past week and um, this, this past week was the week that was between a, a time of looking at joy, like choosing joy and choosing peace, right? And you look at, for me, I look back at this week and it's like, wow, okay. There's lots of opportunities, right, to have to make that sort of decision. It's not exactly the, the most simple environment just because there's so much that, that comes our way, um, for us, I think the part of the problem is when it comes to choosing peace, uh, usually what we're, what we're really doing is, is looking for peace, or maybe we're hoping for peace, or we're dreaming of peace. Uh, we have this idea of what peace should look like, and it's usually some, some version of uh, the absence of conflict, right? The, the complete lack of tension, the, that things are simple, that, that, there's, there's, that things go easily, that there's not that much required of us to think, like, peace, and what we're talking about this morning is, a, is, I think, a better definition of peace, something that actually carries us through those moments that, that are difficult, those moments that are full of tension, the reality that we're trying to, to work our lives out in the midst of. And so we go back and forth and we try and figure out how we're going to respond and how we're going to actually choose and move towards something of peace that, that can not just handle the, those, those times where it's easy to imagine peace, but it can handle those times when, when life feels anything but peaceful. So peace isn't just something we experience. Peace isn't just something we find. But peace is something we choose. And that changes the way we react. That changes the way that we, that we even, like, it changes our perspective as we look at the world, as we look at the situations that we find ourselves in. And so we're looking this morning at the story of Joseph. There's all sorts of stories around the birth of Jesus, right? Christmas is so full of stories. There's, there's so much scripture that we could look at. There's so many different perspectives that we can look at. But this morning we're going to look at the story of Joseph as he sorts out his decisions, the decisions that he has to make as, it's related, as it relates to the birth of Jesus Christ you know, Joseph has a part to play as, as, as the father, the one who would raise Jesus. And so in Matthew chapter 1, at the beginning of the book of Matthew, as Matthew begins to tell, begins to tell the story of this Jesus, he's kind of talked through the, the narrative of, or the, the story of uh, the genealogies. He's talked through all those things, and now he gets to the point where he says, now let's talk about, let's talk about this birth. Let's talk about this, this, this one, this, this Messiah who was to come. And so in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, as, as Matthew begins to unpack, and he's writing, Matthew is, is writing to a church, right? He's writing to people who, 
um, would have been experiencing persecution. He's writing to a people who are trying to understand what it is that they're actually following after. So it's, it's not just that Matthew's writing a story um, just for, for historical record. He's writing as a pastor to a church, right? He's writing as a pastor to a people who are experiencing difficulty, who are experiencing setback, who are experiencing the tensions that, that, are, that are just going to be when, when, when your beliefs and when your way of operating is different than the culture around you. And so Matthew is, is, is telling not just the story of Jesus' birth, but he's, he's unpacking what it looks like for, for people to navigate tension, right? For people to understand the, the, the tension surrounding the birth. He's, he's writing to a people who are persecuted. He's writing to a people who are trying to sort out uh, what it means to live out their faith in the midst of hardship and tension. And so he writes this in, at the beginning, in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Right? Talk about a loaded sentence. Talk about a sentence that has all sorts of story behind it. Right? We think about these moments in our lives where it's like, man, there was just so much tension and there was so much difficulty and there was so much to sort out. and There were was, there was so many things that, that came into this. And in our household, we talk about there were so many layers to the situation. And yet when, when the story is recorded, here's this one sentence, right, that, that sets the whole thing up. This, this one sentence for Joseph and for Mary, for, for the, the people who were around them, for the families that were involved in this whole thing, to, to understand that this one sentence carries so much story. He says this is how it came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, which means there are decisions to make, right? It means that there are some choices to make. It means that, that circumstances have just gotten really difficult, that, that, that Mary has this, this, this part of her story that she's going to have to navigate, right? This unexpected thing that, that she gets to be a part of, this blessing, this, this thing that God showed up and said, I'm, I'm going to do something incredible through you, Mary. But then on the other side of the conversation, on the other side of this story, you have Joseph who's trying to sort out. He had a plan, right? There's, there's life. He's, he's got a wife that, that, that he's pledged to be married to and, and a life ahead of him and he's got choices to make and there's a bright future and all these things. And then all of a sudden his circumstances and the situation changes radically. And Joseph has a decision to make. And in these kinds of situations where if Joseph had found peace, right, if Joseph was living a relatively peaceful existence, this just created an extraordinary amount of tension. So in verse 19, it begins to unpack that. Matthew says this, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This, this man who's faithful to the law, right? This, this man who had found peace in the way that God had called him to live and in the way that God had, had instructed people to live. That he was, you could say, a righteous man, that he had a right relationship with God, he had a right relationship with other people. And then there's the tension, Right, there's the, the, the tension that's, that's, that's unpacked in this story. He says that, that because her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her, to, to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to, to divorce her quietly. Right? Here's this great tension. Here's this extraordinary tension that, that Joseph did not ask for. Right? He had been doing the right things, that he had made the right kinds of decisions, that, that he was faithful to the law, that the things that God had called him to, he had done. And so there's, there's this side, and then there's the reality that, that he has his fiance, right? And there's this, this tension that exists now, and there's, there's this reality that, that as, a, as a man, I think that we can understand this, and I think we can all understand this, that, that his idea is, how do I resolve this, right? How do I resolve this tension? If, if what I'm looking for is peace, if what I'm looking for is for the situation to make sense, if what I'm looking for is the end of tension, then, then I'm, I'm going to get out of this tension as quickly as I can. I'm going to resolve it as quickly as I can. 
And so he begins to try and make a plan. He begins to try and think through what he should do to resolve this tension, to, to get back, you could say, to, to this idea of peace or this, this feeling of peace. When it says that he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, this, this means that he actually cares about Mary, right? That, that there's, this, there's these layers to the decision, there's these layers to the tension that, that, that for Mary, Joseph would have known that, that exposing her to, to disgrace wouldn't just be an embarrassment for her, right? It would have been a, a radically life-changing thing for her. It would have literally ruined her life. And so in this tension, in the midst of, of these, this situation that Joseph did not ask for, in the midst of this thing where Joseph could say that, look, I had done everything right. I had, I had, I had lived in a righteous way. I've, I've lived according to the law. And then this happens, right? That we become a victim. Or he could have said, this is this thing that um, I never asked for and yet I have to deal with. And so Joseph, wrestling with the question, what is one who does not want to ruin Mary's life but wants to remain faithful to the law, right? One that, that's trying to figure out how to, how to resolve attention instead of living within attention. One who's, who's trying to make sense of something, trying to find peace in the midst of a story that's anything but peaceful in this moment. What does he do? What is a person who doesn't want to ruin Mary's life but also doesn't want to invite, you could, for his perspective, who does not want to invite her potential sin into his world? Right? How does he resolve this? And so Joseph settles on a plan, right? He's, he's wrestling with this thing. And I can just imagine, because I think I'm wired in some ways to, to understand this, that, that, I, that I hear of a problem, or I hear of a situation, or I find myself in tension, and I immediately begin to think, how do I fix this? Right? How do we go about making some resolution of this? How do I go about fixing this situation? And so Joseph starts to ponder the, the different things that he could do. He starts to think through the different scenarios, starts to, to think through the kinds of decisions where, where he can go to, to get back to this peaceful existence. And then he settles on a plan. Right? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divorce her quietly. Right? Joseph settles on a plan, a, a, a plan that, that, would, um, that would, would mean that he ends the arrangement that, that he has with Mary in a way that Maybe it doesn't make things worse. At least that's what it seems like he's trying to do, that, to do something that's, that's right by the law, that, that's right for himself, it feels like, that, that takes the tension out of his story and then minimizes, at least as, as much as he can, minimizes the harm to Mary. And so this is the plan. Joseph now seeking peace or trying to find peace in the midst of, of a situation that's anything but peaceful comes to some sort of idea of how he's going to resolve this tension. Verse 20, the story continues, but, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now the story changes, right? Now all of a sudden, there's, you talk about a layer that's been added to the story. You talk about a situation that's, that's now radically different than, than what Joseph had understood, that, that any plan that Joseph had is, is now, ha- now has to consider the, this new information, right? That, that here's Joseph after having considered this. This is Joseph, right? We, I, I think sometimes we can look at these stories, and maybe it's familiarity, maybe it's because it's, it's the Bible, um, that, that we can look at these stories and we can separate, I think, if we're not careful, we, we separate the story from the, the, the actual person who was living out this story, right? That, that Joseph is, is a character that's, that's portrayed in Scripture, right? That he's, he's a, a character in, in these Bible stories. He's a significant character in this story. And yet he was a man, right? This was a guy who actually lived this out, who, who, who walked a road, who, who had, who had to, to deal with this tension, had to figure out how to, how to work through this situation. He was a guy who had hopes and dreams. He was a guy that, that had a job and a life and, and all these kinds of things that, that this isn't just a story that, that's just a simple thing for us to understand. This was a person wrestling hard with a situation. 
Right? This is a story of a real person wrestling with a big problem. This is Joseph, unsettled and insecure and unsure about, about what's supposed to happen, probably having wrestled for days about what he's going to do. And then finally, as he begins to have some idea of how to resolve the tension, finds himself able to sleep. And then when he sleeps, God meets him in this dream. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream. Joseph had an opportunity to hear from God too, right? Mary had heard from God. Mary had heard from, from God in, in, in understanding her side of the story. And then Joseph has the opportunity to hear from God as well. And the angel says this, Joseph, son of David, right? Which is a pattern. And we're going to see it play out at least one other time in this story. He, 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 he speaks Joseph's name and then he speaks the who you are, right? That there's this, there's this distinction between the name that identifies Joseph and he says, son of David, right? This, this idea of this is your name, but, but this is who you are, right? This is, who, this is the line that you come from. These are the, this is your people. This is your tribe. This is the thing that actually defines you. It's not just your name, but, but this reality of who you are. And then the angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not respond to this situation out of fear. Do not respond to this tension that's been created in your life out of, out of fear, but, but listen Listen to what I have. Joseph, allow your response to be shaped by your true identity, by the fact that you are son of David, right? That, that, you're, that, that you're of the line of the man who is after God's heart. Allow your response to be shaped by your true identity, by, by your faith. Do not be afraid. He says to take Mary home as your wife, that, that if, if Joseph at this point in, this, in, the, in the marriage customs of this day had some wiggle room, right? He could, make, he could still figure out a way out of this situation that, that what God was asking him to do as the angel spoke to Joseph in a dream is to say, shut that option down, right? Don't give yourself the wiggle room. Don't, don't imagine that, that you could get yourself out of this. He's, he's asking Joseph to surrender any kind of wiggle room that he might have in this arrangement that he has with Mary. He says, take Mary home as your wife for uh, for what, has, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel speaking to Joseph saying, this is an act of God alone, right? This is something that God chose to do, that, that this is God working his plan through, through people that are walking this earth, that, that this is not something that Mary chose, this is not something that, that, that happened in any other kind of way, but Joseph, understand that this is, a, this is an, act of, an act of God alone, that God initiated, and then everything else that happened is in response to that. Right, that, that God initiated this situation, that, that this, this, this child who's, who's, who's in Mary's womb is, is conceived from the Holy Spirit, that God acted, and then everything else that happens after that is people's response to what God has done. Right? This is the great pattern of Scripture. This is the great pattern of our spiritual lives where, where God acts, and then we have decisions to make. Right? That, that God moves, and God does, and, and God steps into our world, and God, God does things, and, and then we have to figure out what we do in response to that. This is from the Holy Spirit. God initiated and then everything else is in response. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That God is now asking Joseph to get really specific in what he's actually called to do. That he says you're to give him the name Jesus, which, which was not an uncommon name at the time, right? This was not this, this completely unique name. This was a, a version of the, or a, a kind of a form of the name Joshua, Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation, right? That it would be meaningful for a people in, in, who are in need of hope, for a people who, who need to understand that God is with them, to understand the story and to remember that, that God is a God of salvation, that, that Yahweh is powerful, for them to, to give Jesus 
a name that when his name is spoken brings peace, right? That, that, reminds, that reminds people of, of, of what God has done. And this would be a bold move right, for Joseph because as, as a story would spread potentially, right? As people start to, to do the math on the, on the age of the baby and the age of the marriage and all those kinds of things that, that Joseph is gonna have to figure out how he's gonna answer some of these questions. This was a bold move for, for God to ask Joseph to name his child in a way that speaks of God's deliverance, that, that speaks of salvation. When, when most people would make assumptions about Mary, when most people would make assumptions about the situations based on the things that they know or the things that they experience, that they would experience that, that Mary had either been unfaithful or, or that Joseph had, had, had made his mistakes as well. For Joseph to, to do this, to, to name his child Jesus would be a reminder if, if this situation didn't work out, right? If this was, was not just a dream that, that, that God was actually doing, if this was just something Joseph ate that was keeping him and it made, giving him strange dreams, that, that this story, this decision that Joseph would make would, would echo every time he spoke his son's name, right? Every time he saw his son, every time that, that, that he would come into a conversation and his son's name would be mentioned, that, that he would be reminded of this tension, right? That, that if this did not go well, if this didn't go the way that that it seemed like God was making clear to Joseph that there would be echoes, right? That this would get difficult, that, that things would be difficult for Joseph. He would be reminded every time he spoke to or spoke of his child. And so there's tension, right? There's the, the decision to make. If you're looking for peace, if you're looking for certainty, for Joseph, it was, it was a decision, a choice that he would still have to make. But then God continues as he speaks through his angel. He says this, because he will save his people from their sins. This, he will save his people, is, is both a, a statement of, of possession, right? That it's, it's his people, right? That, that God is speaking through the angel to, to Joseph saying that, that these, are, these are Jesus's people, right? That this is his tribe, that this is his people. And yet it's both a statement of possession and of membership, right? That these will be his people, that he will be among them, that he will dwell among them. So it's a statement of possession and of membership in their community. And he says, he will save his people from their sins, which is this theological statement. It's a very clear statement that says that, that Jesus will be in and of his people, right? That, that he will have his possession, that he'll, he, will be, he will dwell among his people, but, but he will be part of their tribe, but it will be their sins, right? That, that Jesus will be blameless, that he will not have sin of his own that he will be fully part of the human experience but without sin, that he's fully God and fully man. He will save his people from their sins, that we understand Jesus as God with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And there's this beautiful thing about the, 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 of the, the location of God among us, the presence of God among us, that, that God is with people. And yet we forget, I think, sometimes that he's also there to bring us from things too, right? That it's not that just God enters into our mess. It's not just that, that God comes alongside us in the midst of our sin, that, that God comes alongside us in the midst of the mess that we've made of our lives, but he comes to be with us and to save us from the mess that we're in. Does that make sense? That it's, it's an incredible tension that's being played out that, that I think for us to understand, for us to take hold of, that Jesus came to be with us, right? That is God taking on flesh and blood, dwelling among us, but then also for a specific purpose, to sever the bond between the sinner and the sin, to come and break chains because he will save his people from their sins. What a beautiful statement at the end of this, this call that, that, that Joseph has been given from this angel in his dream. 
And then in verse 22, the, the promise begins to be fulfilled. It, it, as the story continues, it says this, as Matthew begins to, to help his church understand what's going on, to, to help them understand the story of Jesus and what it means for them. He says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through his prophet. All right, this is like Matthew now quoting Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us what the Lord has said through the prophet, and then they will call him Emmanuel. They, right, speaking as, as a broader sense that it's this, this group of people that the, the, the story is going to spread as, as Jesus is, is, is comes onto the scene, as Joseph tries to sort out what all this means, as, as Joseph is now wrestling with what it means for him to name his son and, and thinking through things, these things, and then, and then the angel says that they will call, or the, 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 Isaiah says that, that they will call this broader story that, that he'll be known, he'll be known by something that, that's true, right? That he'll be known or called by what he helps people see, that God is with us. In the fourth century, John Chrysodom, who's a, a pastor and a preacher and a theologian of, in, the, in the early church, says this, that it's, this is customary in scripture to substitute names for actual events. Therefore, to say that they shall call him Emmanuel means nothing else than they shall see God among us. Right? What a beautiful statement. He says, admittedly, God has always been among us, but never before so openly. What a powerful thing for the church as they wrestled with this, right? This is just a few hundred years after this, this story p- took place as the, as the church wrestles with what this means. Jo- that John Chrysostom, it says that, that you have to understand that there, there's the name, right? There's the proper name of Jesus, but then there's also this idea that we're also going to call him by what he does, right? That this actual event, by, by what he helps people actually see, that God has always been among us, right? That God is with us, but never before so openly. And so when Joseph woke up, he, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Right now you talk about the response, right? You, you move from the, the dream to the, to the fulfillment of this promise that's being, that's being made. Now then Joseph responds. And he responds in obedience. It says that, that he took his wife, that, that he got over himself, right? That's per, perhaps maybe the hardest part of obedience for any of us is to, to get over ourselves, to get over our own sense of what we'd like life to look like, for what we'd like to be known for, for the, the contributions we've made or, or all those kinds of things. But, but to get over ourselves, to, to get over himself, to get over his fear for his reputation, to, to say, I'm going to, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. I'm going to trust that, that, that God is doing what he said he was going to do. I'm going to trust that, that God has invited me to be part of something that's much, much bigger than myself. So he took his wife. He got over himself and his fear for his reputation. Then, and then he obeyed by giving Jesus the name that God asked him to give him. That he trusted God to do what he said he would do. And then didn't just, like, just let it happen, but didn't just trust, but then made that act of trust, that act of obedience official with the name or by calling him the name Jesus, which is what God had asked him to do. And so we look at this moment for Joseph. We look at this moment of, of extraordinary tension. I think for us to, to understand what it would feel like to, to live in the midst of these things, to, to understand that Joseph was invited into an extraordinary moment in God's story. Right? For Joseph to have been invited to, to be part of what was going on, this, this moment that would literally change history, this moment that would, would echo across eternity, that, that would make such a huge and significant difference in the world. And he's invited into this moment, but, 
for him to fully participate, for him to be part of the story, for him to, to, to be able to fully realize what God was asking him to do would require him to, to be obedient, right? It would require him to, to deal with some significant tensions, for him to, to be obedient in the midst of, of real uncertainty, of, of real tension, because he was asked to do some very difficult things, right? It wasn't just this dream that, that resolved the tensions. It wasn't just this thing that, that made life simpler for him or made life easier for him that for us to look at Joseph's story, for us to understand what looking, looking at peace looks like, for us to, to understand what, what choosing peace looks like in the midst of Joseph's story, to take Joseph's story and to say, what does it look like for us to choose peace in our stories? One piece of that would be choosing peace means getting over ourselves, which is maybe one of the hardest things we will ever do. Maybe the things that on this side of eternity, some of us, most of us may never actually accomplish, but we can sure try. Right? We can sure try to make decisions that, that aren't reflective of just what we want to see happen, that aren't reflective of just tr- us trying to preserve ourselves or resolve the tensions that we find ourselves in. For Joseph, it meant that, that he would take Mary as his wife, which meant that he'd have to get over himself, right? have to get over his fear of shame, his, his own sense of what his legacy would be for him to get over himself and his fear of shame. I think for us to understand that, that getting over ourselves actually lets us actually lets us get over the influence that other people have over us. Does that make sense? That it's not just about us getting over ourselves, it's actually us getting over what we might think people are thinking about us or what we might think that, that people would like to see happen. So it, it means that, that getting over ourselves actually let us get, lets us get over the influence that others have on us as well. So we're not driven by fear. We're not driven by shame. We're not driven by frustration as we try and protect our reputation. For Joseph, choosing peace means getting over ourselves or meant getting over himself. And for us, it means getting over ourselves, which means that we have to trust that God did what he said he did, right? That for Joseph, that, 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 that God says, look, I, I placed this child in Mary's womb. Right? This is an act of God alone. This, this God-initiated moment that, that simply requires your obedient response. That for Joseph to truly trust that God did what he said he did meant, meant that there was no going back once he made the marriage final. Once he took Mary home, that, that this story was now part of his story. That, that any wiggle room that he had, any chance that he had to get out of this in, in a way that didn't create tension was over. That there was no just way, right? If, if, if he was a person who followed the law, there was no just way out once she was his wife. And so for us, as we think what this looks like for us to, to understand choosing peace means getting over ourselves, it might mean that we have to ask ourselves some questions. Like, um, where are we resisting God's call to obedience? Is there something in our lives that, that, that for us, it's just a matter of us, the, the, the gap between where we are and where God wants us to be is, 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 a, is a gap that can only be bridged by, by us stopping the resistance, right? So us, us getting over our resistance to God's call to obedience. Right? Where maybe do we need to get over ourselves and, and our fear of shame? Right? Is there something that, that, we're, that we're fearful about? Maybe asking ourselves the question, what would God do through your life if you were willing to be obedient where there was no way out once you took the step? Right? If, if we weren't about hedging our bets, if we weren't about keeping our options open, if, if it was literally like a burn the ships kind of moment, we go and, and, and we just trust and we're obedient, what would God do if, if we were willing to live in that kind of way, if we were willing to make those kinds of decisions, to, to act in obedience in a way that, that removed other options from us, that, that says, I make this decision, and once I make this decision, there are other options that, that are no longer available to me. 
to imagine if we can get over ourselves to say we choose peace, a peace that, that moves us forward, a peace that, that calls us to something more. What would it look like? What could God do if, we're, if we were willing to say I choose peace that's found in being part of what God is doing, not in me resolving all the tensions that I may face? To live with the kind of abandon that comes with that kind of faith. Choosing peace means getting over ourselves and choosing peace means taking action, right? It wasn't just that, that the angel showed up in Joseph's dream and, and resolved his tensions for him, but the, the angel came and explained the story and gave Joseph a new perspective, but then said, and now you have something to do in response, right? That there is, there is something that you still have to do as, 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 that's an active kind of decision. That here is Joseph who was waiting for the Messiah, just like everyone else, right? That, that Joseph, as is, is, is the people in that time looking around at the culture that they were part of, looking at the political system, looking at the way the, the world worked in that time, Joseph would have been longing for the Messiah, just like everyone else. And then all of a sudden, in this dream, this, this situation that, that he finds himself in, that this angel shows up and says, that story that you've been waiting for fulfillment of, that story that you've been waiting on, this, this Messiah that, that, that you've been waiting for, we're going to ask that you be part of this story, right? That it's going to require something from you individually. This, this dream that you have, this, 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 fulfill, this promise that you're waiting for to be fulfilled is, is something that will require something of you. Right? You talk about him having faith that the Messiah would show up, that, that God would send the, the Messiah to, to change the way the world worked, to, to change the way men could relate to God, for Joseph to believe that, for Joseph to understand that but then for it to become a thing that required him to actually roll up his sleeves and be a part of it is a whole different kind of decision. Right? This is faith made active. Right? This is what we talk about when we apply our faith to the act of living. This is active faith. where We can believe and we can understand that something is true, but until we actually lean in and live as though it's true and, that we, and we actually put our faith to work, then it changes things. It's easy to say we believe. It's, it's harder for us to to live like we do. It would have been much easier for Joseph if, if the angel would have just said, would, are you willing to believe? And Joseph can just nod his head in agreement and, and stop there, but the, but the command was bigger than that. The command was, was to something that looked like obedience. God is doing extraordinary things in our world. Right? God is, is on the move in ways that we can't even imagine. The, the question is, the question for us as we talk about choosing peace, meaning take, that means that we, we take action. The, the, if we can believe that God is doing extraordinary things in our world, if we can believe that, that God is in the transformation business, if we can believe that, that God is reconciling people to himself, that, that God is changing the way that people get to relate to him, or he's, he's changing the relationship, he's restoring relationship with himself. If we can believe that God is on the move, if we can believe that God is doing extraordinary things, are we willing to then live in faith in a way that reflects that we want to be part of it, right? Are we living out our faith in a way that allows us to be a part of that? Choosing peace isn't just finding peace, isn't just resolving all the tensions. It's, it's saying, I choose peace that, that may take me through tension. It may take me through less than ideal circumstances, but I believe that God is at work. I believe that, that God is wanting to do something incredible in this world. And and I'm willing to go through the hard stuff in order to see it happen. And so we ask ourselves the question, am I living out my faith in a way that allows me to be a part of it? Right? God is doing extraordinary things. That's the story that's happening. God had already initiated this situation, that, that Mary was already carrying the Messiah. God had already acted, and he was simply saying, Joseph, 
I have done this extraordinary thing. Do you want to get in on it? Right? Do you want to be part of what I'm doing or not? I'm just simply asking that you lay down your sense of peace and you begin to trust and follow after me. Are we living out our faith in a way that allows us to be a part of the big story, the extraordinary story that God is writing in this world? And so this morning, for us to, to choose peace, we choose peace in the name of Jesus. Right, that we look at this and this story, in some ways the, the, the culmination of this, of this story is, is, is Joseph then not only takes Mary as his wife, but then obediently names Jesus, Jesus. For us, we are called to choose peace in the name of Jesus, that, that, we, that we live out our faith in a, in a place where uh, our peace is rooted in our willingness to allow God to work through tension, to work through tension in our lives. And that requires transformation, right? Because we are naturally, our natural bent, the, the, the gravitational pull of our life is towards certainty and self-preservation, right? That we have this survival instinct, that we have, we have this, this tendency to, to want to run away from tension, to run away from those things that, that are difficult, those, those less than ideal circumstances. That we're naturally inclined to certainty and, and, and self-preservation. It takes new perspective. It takes new eyes to be able to see things differently, to, to understand what, what God is actually doing and, and to be willing to lean into that. And so we choose peace, or we choose peace in the name of Jesus, which is a, there's four pieces of what that looks like. It's a four-step process to, to recognize that there is a purpose in Jesus' arrival and then to understand what that means and for us to, to live out that reality. The first is this, that, that we recognize our true gospel identity. Right, that we recognize our true gospel identity, that, that when Jesus was, was proclaimed to Joseph, that, that God says he will save his people from their sins, that we are part of his people, right? That, that in Christ we're a new creation, in Christ we are invited to be part of a family, that, that, that we are one of his people. Or if we're not yet, we can be part of his people, that, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins, that, that we can recognize our true identity, that we can recognize that, that this is who we really are are. We are one of his people, right? We recognize our true gospel identity, the good news of the story, the good news of Christmas, God with us, means that we are with God too, right? That, that we are his people. We recognize our true gospel identity, that, that we recognize our sin, that we recognize that, we need, that we're sinners in need of a savior, that, that there are things that, that we will never be able to accomplish in our lives on our own, that, that we need Jesus, Right, we recognize our true identity, our true gospel identity. We recognize our sin. And then we let Jesus work. Right? We let Jesus do what he came to do. That, that you look at the name of Jesus, you look at the, the story, you look at the Messiah showing up for us. We recognize that Jesus came with a purpose. And so for us in our lives to allow Jesus to do what he came to do. I think we would agree that we want peace. I think most of us are not going out looking for conflict. Most of us are not going out looking for tension. We want peace. We just don't always want to go through what we have to go through to get there. Right? We, we want peace, but, but we want peace on our terms. That, but we're not always willing to do what it takes or live through what it takes for us to get there. That Jesus himself said that he didn't come to bring peace, at least in the sense that we would understand it, but a sword. That's Matthew 10, 34. 
that means that there's going to be a painful process of separation between us and, 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 and sin, right? That, that there's a separation from our sin means that we're going to have to trust in the midst of, of painful moments and, and, and trust as God transforms us in these deep places of our life, some things that maybe we've held on to for a really, really long time or these things that we've allowed to create distance between us and God or these, these things that we're allowing to be in our lives that, that because of their presence, that they create a gap between us and God that make us feel distant from God. But there's this process that we have to go through as, as Jesus works through this separating us from our sins. That, that if Jesus came to do just that, to, to save his people from their sins, that, that we, have to, we have to trust that that process will be fulfilled, right? If that's what Jesus came to do, that's what Jesus is going to do. The question is, how painful will we make it? How long will we hold on to the things that Jesus is trying to pry our hands off of? Jesus is going to do what Jesus came to do. The question is, how painful is it going to be for us as we try and make it on our terms? Right? If we keep holding on to our sin, if we keep holding on to those things, it's going to hurt. So we let Jesus do what he came to do, and then we recognize that peace comes in the name of Jesus, that Emmanuel, God with us, that God has always been, us, been with us, but, but at Christmas we get to see it differently, to understand that Jesus, the name of Jesus is is a name that gives us hope because it means that God delivers us, that, that there is a promise that was fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that, that changes things for us. And there's this beautiful thing, and I'll close with this thought as the, as the band comes to, to close us in, in worship, close us in song. That when you look at the book of Matthew, right, the story that Matthew wrote of, of Jesus and his, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and then his sending out of his people, to, on mission to the world, it, it starts. It starts with, with Matthew making it clear that that this idea is Emmanuel, God with us. That the bookends of Matthew's gospel is that that he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And then, as Jesus speaks to his disciples, as he's giving them their final commands, if you go to the very end of the book of Matthew, as, as Jesus is, is, is now commissioning and, and sending out the disciples, as Jesus prepares to ascend to heaven, to, to, to end his, his earthly ministry in this way, he says, And behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? That the bookends of the gospel story, the bookends of the life of ministry, as recorded in the book of Matthew, is, is this idea of presence that God is with us. God is with us in the child that's born on Christmas and God is with us in the, in the sending and in the, in the living of our lives, the, the making active our faith, that, that this behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, is an invitation for us to live in God's presence. It doesn't mean the absence of tension. It doesn't mean that life will be simple or that life will be easy, but it does mean that God's with us and that we can find peace in his presence regardless of the circumstances. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for the way you care for us. God, thank you for the way you love us. God, thank you for the good news that's found in Christmas. Not that all tensions are resolved or that, that life just got easier. But that God, you are with us. God, may we be a people who find peace in your presence. God, may we be a people who find peace in your presence regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. God, we pray these things. In the name of your son, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.